Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, John, uh, thanks for joining us here on The Score this afternoon at Crocs 96 FM. Uh, first of all, you, you might just tell us about your early memories of playing for Cove Ramblers. I know that your family are steeped in the club. That's right, Trevor. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's much appreciated. And um, speak about something I love. And as, as you say, our family, the Oro family, is steeped in tradition with Cove Ramblers. Um, my father played and played. He nearly had every capacity in the club between playing and member of the committee and chairman. And his father before him, my grandfather, was also chairman of the club and president of the club. Um, gone back, um, back in the years, you know. Yeah, and I was going to say that as well there that Cove is a, a bit of a special town as well. Um, you know, great sporting stars down the years. The obvious ones are Sonia Sullivan and the career that she went on to have. The talented players like Roy Keane played with the club, uh, which we'll come to later. Uh, you know, Stephen Ireland, uh, the, the teams of uh, 1983, I think it was, was it when they won that, when they won that, yeah. cup, when they won that great cup? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty so, yeah. special town for sport, isn't it, Cove, uh, John? Yeah, we're, listen, we're very lucky here in Cove. Uh, not, not only this beautiful town that we live in, but obviously um, football-wise, most particularly, we're on the national stage, Trevor. We're a small town, and it's a national stage. We're playing here in, in the, the young young people, young lads here have an opportunity to play at the highest level in this country, and people in Cove, living in Cove, have the opportunity to go and watch football played at the highest level in, in this country. So it, it's very, it's kind of unique, really, that such mm. a small town has that opportunity available to us. Yeah. So, you know, it, um, over the years then, as you said yourself, we've produced really uh, top top co- uh, sports stars. Sonia Sullivan, you mentioned, who's on the world stage. And in fact, like her father, obviously, John O'Sullivan, you may know yourself, he, he played with Cove Ramblers, yeah. played with my dad in that team. So, you know, we're, we're all linked here in Cove. We all know each other. It's a small place. So it's fantastic that the likes of Sonia and Stephen Ireland as well have mm. put Cove on the map. Um, obviously, you mentioned Roy there, but uh, who's no bigger person to actually put Cove Ramblers on the map, you know? Yeah, I was going to say as well that you, you were coming through around the same time as Roy uh, at yeah. Cove. I, I remember Cork w- w- Multichannel at the time uh, televising the match, uh, pre-season friendly, you played in uh, against West Bromwich Albion in, in 1999. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe it was 89, Trev. I think we're, old, we're, too, we're older than that. So I think it was 1989. But... Mm. Getting back to that, yeah, it was, yeah. And as you mentioned previous as well, the 1983 team, Cove Ramblers, was, was a team that we all aspired to, to you know, to get get up to and play for Cove Ramblers after watching them. I was only a young lad at the time. I was ball by out in Flower Lodge for those games against Sligo. So growing up, what I what I wanted to do was play for Cove Ramblers and follow in the, the footsteps of Frank O'Neill and his brother Paul. Um, 
George Melrick, George Wilson, uh, rest his soul. Um, Paul, as I said, Paul Neil, Paul Keaton was there. Um, all Cove lads, Fergus McDade and Paddy Shaw came in from Cork. So it was my ambition to actually go and play for Cove Ramblers from a very early age. You know. Yeah. Um. Uh, I suppose. Um. What 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 uh, what were the uh, local derbies like? Is another question I want to ask you because you you would have played against uh, Cork City uh, a few times. It got a very important goal against them. I remember at San Comas Park. Oh yeah, um, it was great to play against Cork. Like at the time, again, I harp on to that we were very lucky here in Cork. But but that period that I was playing there, we were actually in the Premier Division, so we were competing against Cork City um, year on year. Um, so it was it was great that local derbies like that would happen in Comans Park, particularly, which would attract big, huge crowds. But um, that, I think the game you're referring to as well was very, very important in the fact that Damien Richardson had just left uh, Cork City. He was uh, they were going for the league title. He had left as I don't know there was politics involved there, and he in fact took us over. And lo and behold, his first game in charge was uh, home to Cork City. So it was a huge crowd on the night. I think we were we were in trouble. We were in trouble with relegation worries. Um, but we won one nil on the night, which is a great night. And we we put a dent in Cork City's title hopes at the time. Unfortunately for them. Yeah, I know that uh, Damien brought you on to Shelburne, then, which we'll get to shortly. I did. I meant to say to you as well that around the time Roy went to Nottingham Forest in 1990, yeah. you actually went to England as well because uh, uh, work wasn't uh, eas- easily had back then, she wasn't, John? That's right, yeah. Economic uh, situation in Ireland wasn't very good. Um, my brother, Niall, who actually played, who I played, was in co in the Premier Division. Um, he was, he had gone earlier as well, so um, I just followed fo- in, uh, followed him over and get work really and um, we played a bit of ball but not not at any great level over there but um yeah um that was the time when Roy made his big breakthrough I, as you mentioned earlier we I played against West Brom in Comans Park um so Roy went on obviously as we all know he played League of Ireland football with Cove that season and got his big break to the Lion Forest which was fantastic for him and for the club as well yeah, and the rest is history, as the fellow says. Um, Absolutely. Talk to us about uh, following Damien then to Shelburne, where you had a very successful spell there, winning a few cups, John. Yeah, yeah, it was huge for me. Uh, Trevor um, Damien uh, got the job with Shells, who were uh, the top club at the time, who were top, top players. Um, they, they broke records, getting the likes of Stephen Gagan and Alan Byrne in from Shamrock Rovers the previous season. So you were going into a dressing room full of top, top stars, like McNeville, um Mark Rudford, who, who actually met yesterday there, unfortunately, Mark's wife, Melanie Hill, from uh, Ballincolly, Karen Cork, just recently passed away. It was just tragic for Mark and his family. So, um, no, it was tough going into those into that dressing room, but, look, uh, I knew I had the confidence. Uh, I had the backing of Damien, who who felt, who felt believed in me, so, you know, it took off. Uh, first few games up there were good, and, you know, it kind of took off, and, you know, I had a couple of good years up there. Yeah, I certainly had. Um, did you get any stick from the Cove fans? You know, like Pat Morley down the years when he went to Shelburne, for example. The City fans seem to have never forgiven him. Um, uh, did you get any stick at all when you left Cove for Shelburne, John? No, absolutely none. Um, like, you know, I think everybody was delighted that I was progressing, you know. Mm. Um, like, they were just wishing me well more than anything, uh, Trevor. Uh, I think it's a bit different with Cork and, and Pat Morley. Pat, you know, he's a great player. He scored a lot of goals for them. You know, he went up to Dublin. I don't know, like, they probably thought, why well, should he go to Dublin when Cork City could offer him the same, you know, things like that. Whereas Cove, you know, they they give they, they weren't in any way like that, you know, for, mm. for, for me, fortunately. Yeah, and unfortunately for you, John, you were forced to retire 
Uh, yeah. at, was it 26 because of an E injury? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Trevor. Unfortunately, twenty six. And I was like, "Going high." Uh, just, just one second after I cut, and the following week, I was brought into uh, the doctor's surgery to be told that, uh, yeah, unfortunately, you're, you know, the injury that you have, and you're not going to be able to play again." So it was quite a blow at the time. Yeah, that must have been usually difficult because you were at your probably peak around that time. You were just about peaking. Were you at that age? Yeah, I suppose the the they say that normally, you know, footballers would peak about twenty eight, twenty nine. Um, yeah, I was coming to, like as I said, it was a very usually successful time for me in Shelburne. Um, I was looking forward to a lot more years. There was a lot, there was a bit of interest from other clubs in Ireland and things like that. So, you know, it, it was it was sort of a really hard thing to take. Being so being on a high, as I said, it was just a week after winning the FA Cup for the second time. So it was, it was kind of hard to take. But look, um, that's life. You know, we one door closes, another door opens. You you just get on with it. But it was difficult at the time. Yeah, you went back to your roots then as such because uh, you took up the managerial role. I know your dad, uh, John Senior, was the, the chairman then and you came in as manager and uh, almost got Cove promoted, actually. Yeah, yeah. I was lucky to get the break to to, to do take on the management. Um, so it was a huge challenge for me. Uh, I was young as well, as as you said, but um, no, I enjoyed it and we were very unlucky not to get promotion But uh, in the first year. But we came up against, um, I think, Bohemians were in the playoff position from the Premier Division and they were by far uh, too good a team to be in that situation. I think there were problems in, the, in Bohemians at the time. Roddy Collins was the manager, but they had, a, they had a magnificent squad, but they should never have been in that situation, in the playoff situation, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and the two, over two legs, like, they were the better team, but unfortunately we had our goalkeeper sent off in the first leg. Uh, he was um, replacing Anne Roche, who, who um, was... In the army at the time, he had a great season for us, but he he was going to Lebanon, so he missed out in the playoff. And, and Ian Bennett stepped in, but you know he, he did well in the second leg, but in the first leg, unfortunately, you know we he he got sent off, and we kind of lost that. And as, as I said, Bowes were probably in a false position; they should never been in the playoff, you know. But they did too much quality for us on, on those two days, you know. Yeah, it is in general very difficult, as you know, John, to get out of that uh, first division. Um, how yeah. difficult for Cove now? They haven't been back in the top flight for a while, and it's it's a it's a big uh, job now for, for Stuart Ashton to try to get Cove uh, back into the top flight, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, it is. Um, but as I say, we are fortunate enough to have League of Ireland football on our, on our doorstep here. At the moment, the club, you know, over a few years, you know, there's been a bit of turmoil, uh, lack of funds and things like that. But I think there's a group of lads there now that have been taken over, that have taken over the club and they're in, in situ for the last year or so. They're good. There's a lot of local lads, young lads, they're driving the club and I think with that and as well as there's a project in Cove called Cove for Football so they're, they're getting together and trying to drive on football in Cove which is great for the town and I think um, with those people involved that the club can only go from strength to strength yeah. but on Stuart's case yeah it is tough the first division is like they call it the graveyard you know um, it is tough to get out of it but then again it's tougher even when you do get out of it to maintain Premier Division status you know there's a lot of yeah. things that have to go your way like when I was playing, it was fortunate enough we had a good good set of squad. We we played for two seasons um, in a row in the Premier Division and then lost out, you know, to relegation. So it is tough. The lads have a huge task on hands, but you know, with a bit of luck, it can be done. You know, that yeah. hard work. Yeah, certainly. But uh, the other the other problem, of course, is as you well know, John, any good young fellas coming through to show a bit of promise, you know, they could be snapped up as well. The League of Ireland has always been a kind of a, a merry-go-round, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 it is. It's tough. Like, you know, FAI has has its problems over the years, as we all know. And particularly individual clubs, then, you you know, you'd hear 
clubs being in financial financial difficulty and that kind of that's kind of um, mirrored across the country with clubs, you know. So it's very, very hard. It's a, it's a game that needs to be marketed properly and better uh, advertised, you know. I think now Quinn, now coming in board and the FAI, he might um, push that on and maybe get things a bit more professional from the from the FAI setup, and then that, that might trickle down to clubs who will benefit then, you know. Yeah, I know they're back training Tuesday Cove, uh, three points from their opening three matches. Probably been lucky enough to have a few more points uh, from their opening three matches, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Stuart is a young squad there. Like, um, there's good lads involved. So it's all about, you know, everybody has, has experienced the same thing with this break, with COVID-19. So, you know, it's like, it's refresher, like, you know, start again and hopefully they'll pick up points from the work goal and maintain a promotion push. Yeah, and speaking of COVID-19, finally, John, how have you been handling all the uh, the restrictions and the lockdown with your own business? I know you work for Macron Cork. Yeah, I have my own business here in Cork. Trevor Macron store uh, in, up in Ballycrane, supplying sportswear for all sports clubs um, across uh, all all codes from soccer. Obviously, would be the initial one, but we do rugby wear, um, basketball wear, athletics, cricket gear, would you believe, and baseball even. So yeah, we supply clubs throughout the country. But as you know, and as you mentioned, the COVID nineteen came along in March, and it just put a stop to everything. It was just like unreal. There was no activity, so there was no one wanting look, looking for uh, gear of any sort. You know. Yeah, you're back. So, you're back in work now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's starting to trickle back in now. People, as you mentioned, obviously people are getting back to training, so they're um, out there. They're getting getting organised. There's a lot of restrictions, obviously, with this COVID nineteen coming in. People, it's going to be harder and more difficult for clubs to get people to volunteer. So you know, if um, previous to the, previous to this COVID nineteen, it's hard for clubs to get people t- uh, to look after teams and take teams on. But I think it's going to be hard for them now. But Look, sport is a great thing for everyone to get involved in. It, it, it not only helps your physically, your, your physical health, but it's also for your mental health. And on that note, Trevor, I'd just like to say that I've got involved with Jigsaw, who's um, who that's an organisation for young people's mental health. Mm. They, they help them with their, their mental health. It's a national organisation, and um, we're promoting a t-shirt, a training t-shirt for people returning to training for all codes of sport. Um, it's available in the Macron Store Cork which it thanks the frontline workers who obviously without the frontline workers being magnificent in, in their in their work in the last few months throughout this crisis, we wouldn't be having this opportunity to go, to go back training. So we've come up with an idea of promoting a training T-shirt, which the logo frontline workers would be on it in a heart shape. So thanking the frontline workers, supporting Jigsaw, Young People's Mental Health, um, the proceeds of it will go to that organisation. To as I say again, can't uh, I can't uh, ratify it enough that sport does help people with their not only with their physical health but also their mental health. Okay, and just so, finally, then any any sporting organisations tuned in uh, to our podcast and um, they, they know where to find your Ballycreen, isn't it? You look after, won't you, John, up there in Macron? Absolutely, everyone's welcome. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, thanks for joining us on The Score um, this afternoon here on Cork's 96FM, John, and uh, all the best going forward with the business as well. Thank you. Much appreciated, Trevor. Thank you.